G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. On today's program, we have a look at one man's experience of the cashless welfare card and follow with a word with Michelle Myers, National Women's Liaison Officer at the Maritime Union of Australia, the MUA, about their commitment to stop gendered violence in the workplace. But first, some union news. Workers at Coles Warehouse Facility at Smearton Grange, New South Wales, have been locked out until February 2021 in an aggressive move by Coles last week after workers began rolling 24-hour stoppages. Coles is currently building a new automated warehouse, but so far have refused to give skilled and long-term warehouse workers in Smearton Grange an opportunity to be redeployed to the new warehouse. Some of these workers have been working for the company for over 30 years. Workers are seeking improved redundancy entitlements, the right to transfer to the new Coles warehouse, job security in the form of a permanent to casual ratio and an increased wage offer. Workers are calling for forced redundancies to be paid at five weeks per year of service, capped at 104 weeks. In a response to the lockout, the United Workers Union has launched a website cashedupcoals.com.au where Coles workers from around the country can anonymously upload their experiences of working for Coles. Matt Toner, United Workers Union Director of Logistics, said Coles relies on dedicated workers around the country to ensure its ever-increasing profits. It's because of these workers that Coles' profits have grown even through the global pandemic that has sent other businesses to the wall. Now we're giving those workers a voice by launching the Cashed Up Coles website. If Coles won't respect its workers, we will let the Australian public decide whether they want to do their Christmas shopping at Coles this year. Woolworths Innisfail in Queensland has been accused of treating Indigenous diversity program as slave labour. Eight Indigenous women did a week's unpaid work in October for Woolworths Innisfail in Queensland with the promise they'd be rewarded with ongoing positions at the store. But in the weeks following, four of them have been left with no shifts, being told there was no work despite other staff being hired after them. The week of daily four-hourly shifts stacking shelves were unpaid and when queried about how the subsequent hires were made, they were told the names were picked randomly, not based on performance. It is illegal not to pay people for trial shifts. The Indigenous Diversity Program at Woolworths is a scheme that the Federal Government has streamed millions of dollars into from funds designed for Aboriginal advancement, which has the goal of reaching Indigenous 2.8% representation in the Woolworths workforce. On November the 27th, 250 million people participated in a countrywide strike in India in the biggest organised strike in human history. The strike was organised by a coalition of workers and farmers' movements with 10 national trade confederations and the umbrella group All India Kisam Sanhash Farmers' Struggle Coordination Committee 
that consists of over 200 farmers' groups across India, women's rights groups, students' unions and various civil society organisations also participated in the strike. Some of the key demands contained in the 12-point charter put forward by the organisers include a withdrawal of a series of laws recently passed by the Modi government repealing key labour and farm price protections, a rollback in the recent disinvestment policies in major government-owned enterprises, implementations of existing welfare schemes for rural workers and expanding welfare policies to aid the masses affected by the economic fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. You're listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Coming out of COVID, the Morrison Liberal National Government has signalled the return to below poverty rates for people on the rebranded New Start Allowance, JobSeeker by the end of December 2020. The Federal Liberal National Government has shown a desire to reinforce and establish systems which create an underclass of Australian citizens using the social security system. It has done this by slashing Centrelink employees, outsourcing call centre services to multinationals like Serco, where it is reported under-trained, badly paid workers are expected to navigate vulnerable citizens through complex social security systems of payments. The private job centre network is another wound in the life of those looking for work, reportedly based on a competitive and punitive system which focuses on the private business operator's needs rather than the unemployed person's needs. The federal government's high hopes for the extensive use of automation in the social security system has had some horrifying applications, robo-debt high on the list. It should be remembered that Prime Minister Scott Morrison has denied personal responsibility for the robo-debt disaster, which has resulted in a $1.2 billion class action settlement. Mr Morrison was the Social Services Minister when the unlawful scheme was conceived and touted the billions of dollars it was supposed to rake in during his time as Treasurer. He continued the welfare debt recovery program as Prime Minister and pinned a promised return to surplus on its projected windfall. There is a strong emphasis on streamlining services electronically, using the pool of money reserved for the safety net as a way for the federal government to claw back money for general revenue with the consequence of throwing thousands of Australians into poverty without support. This is happening at the same time as the federal government is supporting industrial relations options that casualise the workforce, remove conditions and normalises wage theft. The broader issue of how Australia is being shaped into a society where some are living the high life and everyone else is on Struggle Street is epitomised by the federal government's push to extend the cashless welfare card. The cashless welfare card quarantines 80% of a social security recipient's income to be doled out by a private company called Indu, which, surprise, surprise, is owned by people who have past or present Liberal Party affiliations and is run so badly 
that one of the most common problems people on the card have is non-payment of scheduled rent payments, which is causing homelessness. This is only the tip of the iceberg, and the public relations reason thrown out by the federal government for the need for the card is that it stops people in public charity using it for drugs and gambling in a throwback to the 19th century poor laws. Actually, academic research has shown the card has little or no effect on drug use or gambling addiction, but it does have a clear connection to separating people from being part of their local community. Today's report is from Peter Davison's Over the Wall program. It gives a clear picture of the road Australians will be travelling with a cashless welfare card in their pocket. There's a current bill in the Federal Senate with the danger of it being passed in November this very month in 2020 for a massive expansion of the cashless welfare card and also a massive move towards making it a permanent measure. This bill will be making all current sites permanent. So previous trial sites of the card will become permanent. It's expanding to the whole Northern Territory and Cape York Peninsula. Also starting old age pensioners in the Cape York going on to the cashless welfare card. Ministers have a power to select any person, region or cohort to be placed on the card. This bill to expand the cashless welfare card if passed in the Senate will affect 40,000 Australians. Did you ever experience any times where your card didn't work? Yeah, it was really hard. Yeah, and if it's anything like the other trial areas, it just meant a lot of places were off limits. I've been to Sojourna quite a few times, which is another trial area, as you know, and the biggest event in Sojourna each year is the Oyster Fest and they don't take cashless welfare. So it's almost like the town's not invited because they don't take cashless welfare. So it means all of these cultural community events that make you feel like you're part of the community. Yeah, well, that happened here too. They couldn't use their card for entry to go in to take their families. Yeah, and Senate inquiries, it's almost like all of the submissions we keep doing, they just end up getting filed and never looked at again. But in the meantime, there's frustration, there's yeah, it affects the home and family life as well yeah. because the tension is palpable. You've got to consider anxiety. People were having effects for paying rent. Yeah. All those things in the first year or so. And not many people come off it anyway. Like, it, it's a real shit fight. It's a um, big long waiting list to come off it. Yeah, I've managed to get the statistics and I have a particular interest in Sejuna, obviously, and mm-hmm. out of the 83 applications, only eight have been granted. Thank you very much, Hayden, and thank you, Beverly, from Kununurra. Everyone knows that Kununurra was the second trial site put on and they were still waiting for their wraparound services and their youth support and diversion programs two years into trials. Peter Ferrick, who for the last few years has been uh, supporting the SNS by compiling videos for us and, and taking Senate and things and cutting them down and who has recently come off after a year. Can you tell us your story, Peter? Sort of starting off my story. Mm -hmm. So if I also go back to the very start as to how I first heard about this, I didn't hear about it through social services or Centlink or even our local federal member. I actually heard about it through our state Labor member and she was holding a 
a meeting one night and um and that was the first that either myself or any of my household i still live with my family three generations mother and grandfather and this was the first time any of us had heard anything about this cash or debit card uh, coming to our area and that a local federal member was actually putting his hand up to say bring it to hinkler funderberg and harvey bay so we went there and uh, there was quite a turnout probably 50 60 odd people and i can't say that there was any positive reception to the card a lot of people were quite angry about the fact that people's money was going to be quarantined was going to now be scrutinized and managed by the government and that people had not to date been involved in the consultation as to do we even want it in our area. So fast forward six, eight months and there's apparently a consultation. To my mind, it was nothing more than an information session and it was the Department of Social Services who were running at the time to say, look, this is the great new car that we're going to be trying to put people on in the area. There'll be 6,000 plus people that we put on this card, and it'll only be the people that need it. No, those people that are on drugs and alcohol and gambling, you know, those people that can't look after themselves, completely oblivious to the idea that maybe those people don't need to be put on a card to manage their finances. They need to be provided individual tailored services and support given to them because they have a mental issue, they have medical issues. Quarantining finances is not going to fix that. Then the card comes in, I get put on the card because I'm in the target group because I'm under 35 because, now let's face it, only those under 35 are going to have problems managing our finances and be addicted to drugs, alcohol and gambling. No, heaven forbid anyone older than that have problems. Now, the first instance was of having issues with the card was not having access to cash because by withdrawing access to cash, it meant that if I saw cheap furniture, cheap goods on, say, Facebook, on the swap groups and the Facebook marketplace, I couldn't buy it because I didn't have the cash to be able to do it. If you go to local events like the swap meets or the carols by candlelight, went to that one year with friends and the first year which was the first year the card came in couldn't pay for anything except for cash and the following year they actually had these little pop-up atm machines and of course that's not going to work either because you can't withdraw cash on the injury card can you another one was i was trying to get some new tires for mum's car so i rang up the local firm jack's tires and now it was like second or third week of being on the card and so I'm just asking them we're looking for some tyres for a vehicle do you guys accept the injury card? He sort of had to scratch his head for a minute and say oh what's that? And said oh it's this card from the federal government and uh, he just said just hang on a minute he'll go and ask somebody mm-hmm. and then uh, little does he know that I can still hear him in the background and he's asking probably his boss or someone else there about the card. And the chap just goes, oh, what's that? And is the answer is, oh, it's that card for those druggies and alcos. <laughs> now, the thing is, I don't drink, don't take drugs. And 
I do not gamble. So I resent the implication that just because I'm on the card that I must be in this group. It's just automatic stereotype. So I graduated from university because I was studying law. So it's coming up to graduation ceremony and I need to pay for hire for gown and uh, hat and also for the free duration photo. And so I went on to pay that because I had to do that online. And I could only pay it through PayPal. And PayPal does not accept in due card. I was very, very fortunate that I actually commented on Facebook about that and a relative of mine in Melbourne. I suppose we're proud, aren't we? We do not like to have to ask our family to say, you know, hey, I'm on this stupid card. Can you pay for this for me? Put me in a predicament. I keep hearing, because I was part of the protests, this thing about you don't want to be on the injury card get a job. Part of my background with being involved in the cashless debit card process was following the statistics. I used to look at the statistic of, I'm not sure what the numbers are now, I'm going back six months or so, and it was 220,000 jobs advertised nationwide. Yeah, 6 million unemployed, includes the underemployed and the so-called hidden unemployed due to ABS statistics. So, you know, you sort of just do the maths. That means that if you fill every job vacancy that exists, okay, there's double that that are not reported, then there's still 5 million people that aren't going to get a job. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio, coming to your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Hashtag 16 Days of Activism, campaign to eliminate violence against women. It began on November the 25th and goes till December the 10th, leading up to Human Rights Day. Gendered violence is actions and or behaviours that express power inequalities between women and men and cause physical, sexual, psychological or economic harm to women. Gendered violence is violence perpetrated against women because they are women. It also includes violence perpetrated against those who do not conform to dominant gender stereotypes or those who do not conform to socially accepted gendered roles. Why is it a union issue? In a recent survey of workers, it has been found that 64% of women have experienced sexual harassment or violence in their workplace. 60% of women reported having felt unsafe in the workplace. 44% of women have experienced discrimination in the workplace. And 19% of women have resigned from a workplace because they did not feel safe. Earlier in the year, Michelle Myers, National Women's Liaison Officer at the Maritime Union of Australia, was talking about how and why the MUA see the end to gendered violence as a core union issue. Uh, The campaign for the ratification of the ILO Convention 190 sounds like fun, that one, doesn't it? It's actually the, um, it's the 
ILO Convention um, of, for the Elimination of Violence and Harassment in the World of Work. Now, this was signed, uh, ratified two years ago. It's time for the Australian government to implement um, the convention. It's hard work because once it goes through the ILO, then you've got to go around lobbying all around the world. I'm on the ITF Women's Committee. Um, we met the other night with um, BWI and some of the other GUFs to make sure that we're helping the other countries uh, ratify the convention. Uruguay's ratified, Fiji's ratified, time for the Australian government to ratify. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it's a really, I mean, Michaela Cash was at the ILO when it happened, apparently was really excited about it getting passed. So it's time for them to step up and, and um, bring it into parliament. Uh, the ALP have been helping with this, um, you know, getting this through to, the people that need to hear about it and get it up and, and running. But, you know, there's always some excuse with this rotten uh, Morrison Liberal government. So uh, this will be another one, like the, the big announcements about domestic violence support before the last election. Haven't seen any of that money. Don't know what's going on there. You know, they ripped the funding out of 1-800-RESPECT um, and lots of um, domestic violence shelters around the country, um, but made some big announcement they were going to stop domestic violence. Haven't seen any evidence of that. In fact, under COVID, it's getting worse. So um, those things are interlinked. Um, domestic and family violence has always been an issue at the top of the MUA's agenda. Uh, we will be participating in the 16 days of action from November 25, White Ribbon Day. Um, there's a whole bunch of work going on in that space. We're collaborating with our other divisions at the CFMU to um, create some, you know, real sort of male-dominated industries, if you will, um, assets that we can present to people, you know, posters and flyers and social media stuff that tells a story about why we need to uh, eliminate violence and domestic violence and obviously um, harassment in the workplace as well. So there's a lot going on and um, I really encourage all members to get involved in stuff and, um, you know, sign the petitions when we ask you to and, um email your MP when we ask you to. I know it seems like we're doing it all the time, but it does make a difference because it's in, if, you know, they go to work and it's in the top of their inbox or there's 500 MUA members saying we care about this issue, it, it gets through to them. So we really need um, all members to jump on board when we ask to participate in this stuff. Well, that stuff about uh, violence at work and violence against women, you'd think it'd be a no-brainer. But I was um, thinking about the inequality of pay it's actually inbuilt in the system that women are treated badly. We said that at our national conference in, um, in March when we presented the Equality Charter, you know, um, harassment in the workplace, you know, words matter. Even the way we present things or the way we say things really, really make a difference to people. Um, and I think we need to just have a look internally at ourselves and, and the way we say things and the way we interact on social media and... Um, you know, there needs to be a higher level of respect right from the beginning in every um, aspect of our daily lives uh, because that flows on. It flows on to how you treat people in the workplace. It flows on to how you treat people in your own home. Um, you know, the National Conference in March was just after uh, Hannah, um, the, the woman up in uh, the Gold Coast, was um, was set on fire by her former partner and, and also the three children and they were killed. Um, just that sort of stuff goes away. You know, you hear about it and you're shocked and, and 
you're devastated and you think it's disgraceful and you want to scream and cry and it's gone out of the media in 24 hours or 48. Uh, and the next thing, you know, it comes up in the media and we forget, we can't forget these stories that are going on right around us all the time. Um, and we must do everything we can do to, um, you know, participate in campaigns or make different choices or be more respectful in the workplace or just whatever it is we can possibly do um, to help end this scourge in our society. Um, it really is important. I mean, sorry, I am rambling on a bit, but I'm a bit passionate about it. But, you know, the way that that Liberal guy the other night on the 60 Minutes report was talking about, you know, barren women. Um, Annika Wells, um, the ALP MP um, from Queensland, who is pregnant, was in Parliament yesterday, just, you know, really giving it back and standing up against that sort of language and that sort of discussion because it's it's abhorrent. It's just, you know, back to the Gillard days when we, you know, it was ditch the witch. Like, just stop it. It's, yeah, just stop it. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with the show, we are podcast at 3cr.org.au or you can find us on iTunes or Spotify. If you want to drop us a line, email us on sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. And until next week, remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you and stick together. Let's sing one of Woody's old songs.
I'm sticking with the union till the day I die. 